welcome Pastor Nelson to the platform. Ghost Ride the Church. Hitting him with the E40 quote, that is super funny. Um, you know, Pastor Julian is way too humble to say this, but I will. You know, he says there's not a reason he can point to, and, and I agree with him, but man, taking over a church after four months, leading us through these last 14, 15, or 16 months, I don't, it's time doesn't exist after this to me. Um, however long it's been, man, just thank you for leading us through it and being submitted to God and honoring him at every step. Um, you know, he's not just like a boss or somebody I work with, he's truly one of my closest friends. And I just thank you for the privilege of the job I have and this privilege to honor I get to bring the word today. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Nelson. My wife is Amy. Um, she actually just like, she's, she's been a worship leader in our church for a long time. If you're like new here, you've missed out on maybe one of the best parts of the church. Like, I mean, Julian preaches his face off, but like, honestly, Amy was my favorite thing about Oasis, so much so that I married her. So, you know, uh, but yeah, man, when we get back on the 20th, um, among other things, just seeing your faces, getting to do church together, I'm just thrilled to maybe hear my wife worship a couple more times, you know? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to preach a message today. It's called Priests and Pillars. Priests and Pillars. And it's based on this verse in 1 Peter, it's verse Peter, 1 Peter 2.9. And it, it really just it lays out this foundation for me that I think is so vital. In a, in a series like Foundations, this felt like, man, we got we to gotta talk about this. And so that's what I'm preaching from. But first, we should pray. We should invite the Holy Spirit to help me because I need it. Heavenly Father, let this be a message not preached by ability, but by your anointing, not by my skill, but by your spirit. I submit to you. Let this be a blessing, and what isn't, cast it away. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to, um, let's be real. Sometimes it's boring to read the Bible. So I'm going to get the boring part out of the way, okay? I'm just kidding. I'm just, somebody really holy was like, yeah, did he say that? Somebody just noticed the cinder block behind me. They're like, wait, yeah, what is that? Is that he's going to trip over it. Watch. Don't trip. Don't worry. It's planned. Don't tell anybody. First Peter, and we're gonna, I'm going to give you context, okay? So I'm not just going to read the one verse. That's why I prepared you for maybe something a little bit boring. I'm going to read you 12 verses. So Oasis lingo, we buckle up, okay? So just buckle up, get ready. First Peter, chapter 2, starting at verse 1, buckle up. So get rid of all evil behavior, all of it. No, just these four. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, so first of all, don't get too distracted by like the alls and the nuns because sometimes you get a little bit of clarity, right? And so sometimes we get a little bit excited about like get rid of all behavior. And that's actually like, if you're a perfectionist like me, you're like, okay, I can never be bad. But then Peter, who's the author of this, First Peter, right? Peter says, be done with just these four, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, unkind speech. So as we continue, don't let this set up too high of a standard or a bar for what I'm about to tell you later. Like newborn babies, 
You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Who wants a full experience of salvation? I do. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. This section is called Living Stones for God's House. We're rebuilding in strength. We're preaching on foundations. We are the living stones prophesied in this verse. So as I read this, this is for you and me and our church. You are coming to Christ, Christ who is a living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Who? You. Not just me, not just Pastor Julian, not just Christina or Amy or anyone on staff. It's all of us, you, me. It doesn't make a distinction. You, me, us, all of us. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor given that God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone and that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, and he is the stone that makes the people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet that fate, the fate that was planned for them. But you're not like that. <laughs> for you are a chosen people. This is the same us, me, you, we, okay? <laughs> so you're not like that. Not the, those guys, we, the, that's not you. You're a chosen people. You are royal priests. So this is 1 Peter 2.9, the inspiration of this message. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you receive God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you, not me, Peter. I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful not to live proper, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of wrongdoing, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Just a quick aside, I feel like sometimes we get like saved and we get a little cautious of the world. And it says, it doesn't say to get away from the world, don't live with the world, we're in it, and, but not of it. It says be careful to live properly among unbelieving neighbors, right? So sometimes we get a little like, oh, but like, uh, not my... Not my friends that still drink. Not my friends that still smoke. Maybe. Not, 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 not so much so that they drag you back. But it doesn't say get away from them. It just says to be careful to live properly among them. And this is important because if you're not there, they don't get this part. They don't get to see your honorable behavior. And then they won't be able to give honor to God. This whole passage really summed up for me into this. When we put our trust in Jesus, we receive identity, community, security, and authority. When Julian was doing this moment before, I was like, 
please don't say the thing I want to say about authority because I don't know if I can change my message that quick. (laughs) Thank God he didn't. (laughs) Um, I had an awkward middle school. And if you say you didn't, I'll call you a liar to your face. Everyone had an awkward middle school. Mine was really interesting. Um, In sixth grade, the N64 came out. And a game I got with my N64 was Donkey Kong Country. And I pre-ordered the game. We, got, we went to Toys R Us when that was still a thing. And I pre-ordered the game, and I got a T-shirt with Donkey Kong Country for my N64. And this was my favorite T-shirt. Sixth grade Nelson didn't know that you shouldn't wear Donkey Kong Country T-shirts to school. And this was like, what was it? It would have been like 1994 or whatever. It wasn't, like, there was no irony in this. Like, it was just nerdy. Okay? Like, we weren't ironically wearing loud, weird shirts. Like, you can go to Target. They got, like, a Mario Kart shirt. You can just get it, and you'll look cool. Because now, ironically, we can do that. Then, no. So, sixth grade, I mean, every day it was clean. It was on. (laughs) And I'm just, I'm like, just proud through the halls, like, because I didn't know. I'm just like wearing this shirt. Seventh grade, I found Jesus. That was when I got saved originally. And I went to this church with my friend Christopher. I got saved. I was like, this is so cool. I love Jesus. I want to tell everybody about it because that's what that guy said to do at the church. And so I, I got a new shirt. It was a fear not shirt. The no fear, you remember no fear? Okay, so like, that. yeah, that was a thing. It still is a thing if you live in the South, I see them. <laughs> I, was, I was in seventh grade, I was with my no fear shirt. I didn't know, you guys. I didn't know. I learned, because in eighth grade, I got a job in seventh grade. I was bagging groceries. And where I grew up in Jacksonville, there's a grocery store called Winn-Dixie. They hire you at 14. I worked every many hours I could to like save money. And I was like, all right, I figured this out in seventh grade, I'm gonna be cool. My parents won't buy me the clothes I wanna buy, so I'm gonna get a job so I can buy the clothes I wanna buy. So I go, when Dixie, I save every penny, I go to the skate shop and I got some skater clothes. Eighth grade, I'm rolling and now I got a little swag, okay? And I wasn't just wearing the clothes, I got a skateboard too and I was like, Yeah, I'm an eighth grader now, guys. Look at this. Guys, (laughs) I didn't stick with it. So in ninth grade, I become a break dancer. Plot twist, right? Like, where did that come from? I got a real hype about break dancing. I get to high school. We're in C Hall in the corner. Teachers are like, stop break dancing. You're going to hurt yourself. We're going to get sued. And we're like, nah, we're going to do what we want because we're break dancers. So, you know, I got a rebellious streak. Anyway, we're break dancing in the C Hall. We're like, ah, just. Uh, 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 uh. And I was decked in Adidas head to toe. Had the shell toes, the three stripes that went from the ankle all the way to the shoulder. Okay? That was a real B-boy, okay? <laughs> that was ninth grade. Yeah, I'm like, I, I've calibrated, obviously. Um, you know, and, and the thing that I didn't grasp from sixth to ninth grade, because who does, is that the clothes didn't really determine who I was. 
But every time I changed my hobby, I changed my identity, and I changed my clothes. And I was one of those kids, I was like, okay, I want to, the, the skater clothes look so cool. So I want to wear those, so I have to do this to wear that. And because and, I didn't want to be what we called a poser. Because if you just wore the clothes, but you didn't do the activity, you were a poser. I didn't want to be a poser. With Jesus, when we put our trust in, we get identity. Right now, we have to get a, a real ID. If you didn't know this, you'll learn this now. They pushed the date back because of the pandemic, so you're fine. You have till October. But if you take like a flight in May of 2022 and you don't have a real ID, you're not going to get to fly. So, you know, you have till the October, so don't, don't stress. Don't like click out and then go like, what's a real ID? Don't do that yet. After service, please. Because I have important things to say and I want you to pay attention. <laughs> we need to get a real ID. And the real ID is different than our normal ID because it actually verifies more of the identifiers of who you are. So uh, one of our... our the guys on our team, Caleb, he just did this and he was telling me about it. And it's like a whole thing. And like, it's the list is so long. You can forget things. And my gosh, what nightmare. If I went to the DMV and forgot something and I didn't find out until the like eight and a half hours to get to the clerk, I'd probably fight somebody. Somebody did when Caleb was there. Yeah. He told me he saw a fight break out. And then he asked me to pray for him because it was him. I'm just kidding. It wasn't, it wasn't Caleb. I'm sorry. It wasn't him, but he watched it. And I'm like, dang, but I would maybe want to fight somebody. But the list is so long. You got to bring your social security card. I think you have to bring like your birth certificate. And all of this is to validate your identity. You see, in the world, you have to present identification, right? I can't just, like we just had to do this. We're going on a flight. And we had to make sure that my son's middle name is way too long to show the whole name on a computer screen, apparently. And so there, the D wasn't on the end of his middle name. And so I was like, oh, no, if his name's not right, he's not going to be able to get on the flight. And she was like, oh, don't worry, they don't check ID. But when Amy and I got married, her name didn't match. And so we went on our honeymoon. We almost didn't get to go because the ticket was booked under Amy Krebs, not Amy Luna. And so in the world, we need valid identification. But I think sometimes we accidentally take that approach in our walk. And our walk is supposed to be justification. Okay, that's a big Christian word. What does that mean? My super simple definition of justification. God removes the guilt of sin so you're not guilty and declares us righteous by Jesus' act on the cross. So... What I want you to get from this, when we put our trust in Jesus and we get, we receive identity. That means nothing you do can validate the righteousness achieved by what Jesus did on the cross. Okay, you don't have to go thumb through your file of good deeds and pull your pile and bring it to the spiritual DMV to get your real ID in the spirit, in the kingdom. Right? Your real ID in the kingdom was stamped with no expiration date by Jesus' act on the cross. We don't gain access to authority by what we do. We receive it because of what Jesus did. 
I'm leading you to authority, right? So I, get, I buried the lead a little bit, right? Spoilers. Identity, community, security, authority. But we have to start with this revelation of identity. This scripture in verse 6 says, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem. We're living stones, but we need a cornerstone. Jesus is identified as this cornerstone. So I looked up the definition of a cornerstone. This is, this is I like this word a lot when it starts with. Hewn to perfect measure. Hewn. We don't use that word. You can't hewn online. Hewn is like a physical thing. It just means like made, okay? I'm like, why did you use hewn? There's another four-letter word that means the same thing. So made to perfect measure. A cornerstone, all measure and direction is then taken from this stone. In other words, it becomes a guide. And if you're careful, you might hear this and say, oh, we're measured against the standard of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when I look at my life, am I in alignment with Jesus? Okay, so now the, the, the center block. It's a big piece of cement. It's a stone, but we're going to pretend this is a cornerstone. Okay, so as you can see, it's, you know, it's lined up. This, let's pretend it was made perfectly, just like Jesus was. And it's measured. And now me as a living stone, as part of God's temple, as part of God's church, as we're rebuilding in strength, every step of the way, am I looking and going, am I lined up with Jesus? Can I turn, adjust? Never taking my eyes off the cornerstone, just checking against it. I don't have to be as perfect, but am I lined up? Am I connected? Am I part of this? Not measured against the standard, but in alignment. What are we aligning with? You know, when, when I was unhealthy going back to identity, sometimes we let our jobs validate our identity, right? And it becomes now you are what you do. What are, you, are you aligning with your job? Or maybe sometimes our hurts get in the way and we align with our ex and the reason they broke up with us. Well, I guess I am kind of a deadbeat and I'll never amount to nothing. Maybe I am lazy. Maybe I was wrong about that ambition. Or, well, Jesus said that, so can I connect and align my life with the word that he spoke over me? Can I, can I not lose sight of this even though they're saying that? We get aligned and we get in his presence. I'm not going to say that one yet. I'm going to say that one for later. That's a good, I got excited. I'm sorry. I really want to preach that point. I'll get to it. You'll get there. Priests are pillars because of their connection to Jesus, that alignment that happens, but also because of our connection and community. Another version of verse 9 says, we are a priesthood. It doesn't, it, this version says, you are royal priests. Another version says, you're a royal priesthood. And you can't be a priesthood of one. A hood implies a group. 
And so you can't be a priest by yourself. We are priests together. It's actually both and. You're a priest because we are priests. We are priests because you're a priest. We do it together. And so when we, res- when we put our trust in Jesus, we're automatically a part of that community. Another thing you might need ID for is getting into the VIP room. At a concert. Guys, keep it clean. We got a past, I get it. <laughs> but you can't, you can't get to the VIP without ID. Right? If I go see a band... I can't just go backstage. I got to have a pass, right? And when we put our trust in Jesus, we get access to not just the presence of God, but each other. And we can't do this alone. Priests and pillars. Pillars are incredibly important in architecture. Every roommate I've ever had has watched home and garden TV from like my guy roommates to Amy. And there's always this moment when like, they're like in the house on demo day and they're swinging the sledgehammer and everybody's having a good time. He's like, "Uh Oh, this is a load bearing wall. We're not going to be able to tear it down. Call Joanna. It's load-bearing. Let's see this pillar here. It's load-bearing. We can't, we can't remove it. If we remove it, the whole thing will come down. The guy, there was always the hands on their hips. I'm not that handy, but I know. Like, yeah, this. Now, there's some pillars that are just decorative columns. Okay? Those don't do anything. But an actual pillar... It's actually a load-bearing and vital part of a structure. And this is why our connections are so important. Our connections to Jesus as the foundation is what actually makes us able to support what God wants to build in us and through us. Belonging to a priesthood means we are load-bearers. As you draw near to Jesus and stay connected to him and the community God's put you in and the foundations of your life, what God's going to do is he's going to give you the strength to carry the load, to carry the load in your family, to carry the load at your job, maybe the one you hate too, to carry the load in your community. For us as a church at Oasis Church to carry the load in Los Angeles. But we can't build a church with only one pillar. We are priesthood together. I am somebody that likes to get to work. And God gave me this this word as I was preparing this message. He told me that his presence precedes his projects. His presence precedes his projects. I want to refer back to the scripture that I read that says this. It's 1 Peter verse, chapter 2, verse 7. It says, yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble. That one hangs me up when I read this because I'm like, Jesus loves me. Why would he make me trip? 
But there's a difference between standing on my foundation and getting busy proving why it's worth it for me to get to. It's so easy to get out here and start running around and being like, look, I preached today. Look, I I gave that bum a dollar. Look, oh my gosh, I was so kind when that guy was mean to me. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to get in the way of that a little bit. And so what he does, I can't move the stone because it's like 25 pounds and I'll get sweaty and out of breath. And this is hard enough if I don't do that. But what Jesus does is he gets in the way of that and he trips you up just enough to, oh, maybe let me slow down a little bit. Oh, 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 oh. Maybe I need to slow down a little bit. Sorry, camera one. (laughs) But he trips us up. Because if we're not careful, we can get so busy that what we're doing for Jesus starts to validate Jesus in our lives instead of our time with Jesus, validating who he is in our lives and what he already did. That means we don't have to prove it because we're justified. Now, my identity isn't built on my validity. Right here. I got to refer to the verse, but I want to stand on the stone for a little while. Okay, it's Luke 10, 38 to 42. We're not going to read it, but there's this, told you. (laughs) There's this story. There's these two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus comes to their house. What? If Jesus came to our house right now, Amy would be tripping. I'm like, it's chill. We cleaned like in March of 2020. A year and a half ago. She'd be so stressed. She stresses about the house being clean. I stress about other things. She's not the only one in our family that stresses. I get stressed out too. We both kind of have the characteristics of the Martha in this story. And Mary, Mary was like chilling with Jesus in this story. And Martha is in the kitchen and she's got like the paella on. She's got the side items, the oven. It's full. So she's got to get this one out and that one in. And she also was like cleaning the counter and she's trying to get, and she was so busy. And Jesus says, Martha. What he says amounts to this. You worry too much. You only need one thing. You only need one thing. Jesus. Not get this done and do that to prove your, and then over here, if you, just Jesus, just his presence. It doesn't mean that there's no value in that, but the value can't become validation. And it can't come before the presence. I actually, and I mean, I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm a guy with a microphone who loves Jesus, but I actually think he was just saying like, hey, Just first, let's spend some time together. We will eat dinner. And by the way, I can cover that. (laughs) But first, can we just, I'm here. I think the whole stumbling thing is like, he's just tripping us up to remind us we're here. When you're out here like, well, if I could date her, then I know. Oh, I'm here. If I could just get that promotion, then they'll know. Jesus says, I'm here. It's actually not in the doing, but in the being with Jesus. 
And sometimes we can get so distracted doing for Jesus, we forget what can happen from being with Jesus. You see, what makes a decorative column different than a load-bearing pillar is substance. There's character. There's something in my shoulders that can carry the burden that God puts on it. And the more of us that do it, the less burden there is, and the bigger the temple can be, and the more impact we can have as a body working together. But you don't do your way into character. It's an inworking of the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus or Julian was teaching for the last couple of weeks about the Holy Spirit. We spend enough time with Jesus that it starts to do the work to give us a substance to support what God wants us to carry. When we put our trust in Jesus, along with identity and community, we receive security. The verse after verse 9, or at the end of verse 9, it says, we're God's very own possession. It might come as a surprise to you, but I'm a nerd. (laughs) I have some prized possessions that are toys. (laughs) I'm comfortable enough to admit that. I collect toys. I like toys. I'm a grown man that likes toys. And I'm comfortable with you making fun of me. (laughs) I am. I truly am. I do. And I have some that are just, they're precious to me. They're like the ones that like when the boys, my two sons get older, they don't get to play with. But you're God's prized possession. He when he identifies you as a priest, you belong to him now. And you're not just some, you're not like the bottom of the barrel toy that somebody gave you for Christmas in a stocking. You're his prized possession. And he doesn't let anybody play with his prized possessions. So when you put your trust in Jesus, you get that security. When he says you're his possession, you are his prized possession and he's protective of you. He's protective of you. There's an interesting detail about cornerstones. They're often inscribed with the start date and the completion dates of construction, the name of the architect and the owner. If you get anything from this message, this is the thing I really want to stick with. This is the thing I feel like the Holy Spirit really implored upon me with this message. As much as Jesus is the cornerstone, our hearts need to go through a similar process. An inscription with our start date. When did you get saved? When, When did that new life begin? The completion date just a little infinity symbol for eternity. This never, this is an eternal mindset. We actually are doing this not for the temporary residency that we have here as first Peter described, but for the eternal impact in the kingdom of heaven. So it starts on a date, but it ends in eternity. It never ends. The name of the architect inscribed on your heart Was it your boss, your ex, that prognosis from that doctor, or is it Jesus that you're building 
your life on. And the owner inscribed on our heart, I belong to God. And because of that, I have security. In LA, we talk a lot about dreams, callings, and promises. And I want to just end with this thought on authority. When we put our trust in Jesus, we get identity, community, security. And this is the most important one. We get authority. And I want to go back to the creation story in Genesis. God was there. And when it is written that when God said things came from nothing. See, when God speaks, something can come from nothing. And we have that same power. When we put our trust in Jesus, that same spirit is alive in us. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And so we can speak. And so maybe your situation looks like, it feels like there's nothing in your life that proves that this might be true, but you can speak something out of what feels like or what might look like to your eyes, nothing but in faith. The same way God spoke to the void and said, let there be light. And there was, I want you to speak to your situation. We're going to take a moment right now. Maybe you need to just identify as a Christian. Maybe you need to say, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. We're going to declare that together, but maybe you've been a believer. And you need to receive the identity of priesthood that First Peter speaks over you. I am a priest. A lot of us are Gen Z millennials. We like to text. But back in the day, we used to do this thing, calling. And you used your voice. It was the phone. And you would use your voice and you would hear it in your ears at the same time. It was incredible. At the same time, talking, I could hear When God calls you to do something, many of us have ambitions. We're in LA. Many of us feel called to do something in this city, called to an industry. When God calls, he's speaking to you. He's creating something, maybe from nothing. And so I want us to, in faith and in trust in Jesus right now, in trust in the spirit alive in us, I want us to declare, I want us to speak out those things. Maybe for you, I'm an actor, I'm a writer, I'm a dancer. Maybe it's I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a father, I'm a mother, or a son or a daughter. We're going to speak that out together. And it doesn't have to be a shout. It can. I want you to challenge yourself to be bold and declare it with faith. And so maybe it is a shout, but maybe all you got is enough energy for a whisper. The point is we're going to say it right now. I want us to start declaring it in the chat right now. I want you to type it out. I am a priest. I want you to type it out. I am a believer. I want you to type it out. I am a follower. And if you're shouting, put it in all caps. I am a son. I'm a daughter. Begin to speak it out right now. Begin to speak it out right now. 
type it out wherever you are, unless you're driving. And if it's not safe, don't do it. But wherever you are, I want you to stand up and declare the word of God that's been spoken over your life. The word that the Holy Spirit is whispering right now in your heart. Declare it in boldness. Don't be afraid to say it. Say it with all you got. If it's a whisper, give me your whisper. But say it. Don't be afraid to declare it. Because when we speak, something comes from nothing. Because of the power of the living God alive inside of us. Because the same way God could speak to the void, could speak to the darkness and call light. Light didn't exist till God called it out. Your career might not need, might not to get to exist until you call it out. So begin to declare it. Type it in the chat. Tell your church what you're believing for. Let us stand in faith with you, in community with you. Declare it out. Declare it out. I am a son. I am a father. I am a mother. We are declaring this with the authority of heaven. Praise God in Jesus' name.